Here, standing at the gate and ready to embark, we survey the enormous ship pointed defiantly heavenward and dwarfing everything in its monolithic presence. Is this awe? Is it fear? Or wonder? Or perhaps disbelief at our own forceful determination to place our soft, warm flesh within touching distance of potentially destructive forces that defy comprehension? Must life only exist at the precipice of extinction? Must we only perceive its fragility, appreciate its rarity, and understand its complexity when the true magnitude of danger to its persistence is laid out before us? I was a young man back then, perhaps closer still to a child. My sister, my mother, and father too, with all our earthly possessions, spent months at the space harbour, waiting to begin our destined journey, anxious and excited about what lay ahead, mournful about what we were leaving behind. This was not a journey of leisure. This was a reach for survival. And now the time had finally come. As we stepped foot onto the colossal vessel, our hearts stood still for a long moment of breathless and wide-eyed days. The corridors, a hive of activity, with transporters moving people and belongings, crew executing preparations for liftoff, and impressionable passengers ushered into their quarters. Quite soon, the mighty engines would roar and tremble into life, and in a brief tug of war between the forces that bind us to our world and the ultimate expression of our desire to break free from its grip, the gargantuan carrier would slowly prevail, pulling us away from our ancient matriarch. Secured firmly in our positions, we would watch through the portholes on the side of the ship as the earth went from a solid, flat canvas below to a blue ball that spiralled slowly into the distance. And this was goodbye. Thank you.
as we break through the upper limits of the Earth's atmospheric veil, a new sight begins to crystallize before our eyes. A mosaic of lights against a background of darkness. Thousands, millions, billions of worlds, all in apparent standstill, and each concealing their true beauty behind a single tiny dot of monochromatic light. Untethered for the first time from our cradle of conception, we begin to think of ourselves in novel ways. Pilgrims, refugees, bandits on the run from the grave consequences of our misdeeds. You can think of us as you like, but in this moment we take our place in history as spacefarers. In this moment, we become cosmic travellers, headed like a tribe of prodigal children back into the void of primordial existence from which all that is became. There is a certain mix of fear and excitement that swells the chest and pushes the heart to revolt against its prison of bone electrifying the muscles in our limbs with a kind of restless charge. And as I hold my breath, feeling my arms and legs tense up in that anticipatory moment between fight and flight, where the mind hasn't quite decided yet on how to react, I am suddenly overcome by a warm sense of acceptance and knowing. This is what we have set out for, opening up before us and inviting us in. This is what has made up our dreams. And now comes fulfillment of that anticipation. There is beauty and there is serenity.
charting a determined path deeper into the solar system. With increasing distance from our eternal blue mother, we become enwombed in the thick cocoon of darkness, surrounded by everything and nothing. As the first stages of life on the ship come together around us, and with gravity engine yet to come to power, we experience disembodying sensations that tease the mind into thinking it has been finally freed from its corporeal packaging. This blurring of the sense of I we have indeed experienced times before, but each time the body levitates in this invisible amniotic fluid, the sensations flood the mind anew. What is it that makes this awareness of weightlessness so freeing and so terrifying at the same time? There seems to be a contradiction, a dichotomy of identity that defines the way we think of ourselves. On one hand, we want to believe that our essence, our soul, if you like, is an entity somehow bigger somehow more permeating than the everyday fleshy experience of confinement to our body. On the other, when our senses are deceived and the virtualized reality takes over, feeding stimuli to our eyes and ears, we begin to experience a disorienting sensation that now, becoming bodiless in this new space, we are not quite whole. It is as if something has been left behind and only a phantom presence of it remains. In any case, however, we embrace this new freedom. We float like dandelion seeds on a spring breeze, weightless and free.
Mars, perhaps the last bastion of the familiar we may encounter for a long while. This little red cousin, with its atmosphere, its seasons, and its polar caps, feels like a temporary flashback to something that has both informed and enabled the journey we are taking today. Mars was once our future. Now it is part of our history. I had learned at school about the early days of space exploration, when the settlements on Mars were first attempted. Those failed first missions prompted new endeavours and, gradually, the difficulties of Mars inhabitation were overcome by the work of countless scientists and engineers. The commercial, scientific and military research habitats now dotting the planet stir controversy even today as many still question the need and justification for the mountainous investments and losses of resources and lives, all of which, perhaps, could have been turned toward the needs of those suffering the most under the ailing planet's wrath. As our ship prepared for a slingshot, relying on the red planet's gravitational pull, we gazed at the surface with a sense of wistful longing and separation, renewed since the moment we left Earth spiralling behind us. Leaving Earth was leaving home, but passing by Mars feels like leaving one's city, country and everything that is known and safe. For the older passengers, whose life experience meant deeper understanding of this momentous undertaking, this moment announced the end of a life they knew forever. And as I watched a woman whose face framed homesick reminiscence within the expression of an anxious daydream, run her fingertip over the ship's viewing port to lovingly trace the outlines of the canyons and craters below, I briefly felt her yearning break into my own world of wondrous examination of the passing planet's weathered complexion. But for me, this was a bright moment, seeing and feeling the presence of this magnificent object I had only ever seen in virtualized spaces before.
Having left Mars in its red dust, there is a warm and subdued feeling now, like an after-evening glow taking over the passenger quarters. As we are dressed in our perfectly fitting biofiber hibernation suits that will help maintain and replenish our bodies during the next stage of the voyage, it seems like the only thing missing from this picture of an idyllic bedding down for a comfortable night's sleep is a cup of hot cocoa. This, however, is going to be a long sleep, and food and beverage intake have been strictly controlled for a week. Endless rows of glass-capped hibernation pods, softly illuminated in a light bluish glow, line the hallways now teeming with activity, yet soon to be frozen in time, in a state of dormant transcendence, like some ultra-modern catacombs or a shrine to timeless gods. The nervous excitement of children and the subdued anxiety of the parents are balanced by the calm demeanor of the technicians, meticulously examining control panels, moving from pod to pod and performing the final checks. The hushed tones of the passengers' conversations mix with soothing ambient sounds coming from the ship's speakers to create a murmur that envelops everything in a kind of feathery fog. As we enter our pods, the comforting cocoons of sustenance and support, the ship begins to vibrate with a deep, brooding energy of pent-up power that is begging to be unleashed. The second-stage engines are coming online, and soon the majority of the ship's energy reserve will be directed into a single task, the initial stage of the fusion reactor. One attempt, one chance at a perfect cadence that culminates in the birth of a tiny star, the source of energy that will power our journey. Should it fail, the ship will have depleted the energy stores needed, and with barely enough left to return to Earth, the mission will have failed. All the passengers are now in their pods, and we await the announcement that will determine the course of the rest of our lives. The ship's tremors intensify for a brief few moments, and then all becomes still. Almost instantly, we hear a calm voice. The fusion engine is now online. Enjoy your sleep. A complex mix of relief and anticipation of everything that is to come next gives way to a blurry haze that begins to bleed into the reality of my surroundings. As I fall deeper and deeper, my thoughts gradually dissolve, taken over by fantastic imagery of worlds unknown, places unseen, and distances 
untraveled, I sink into a hyperdream. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Travel Diaries, Volume 1, Part 1, from Magic Music Storybox. I'm Tom, the composer and author of Cosmic Travel Diaries. If you've enjoyed this story, please share it with your friends. The music you heard is available on all listening platforms. Just search for Cosmic Travel Diaries or me, Tom Yovanovich. That's J-O-V-A-N-O-V-I-C. Anywhere you like to listen. Until next time, thank you and take care.